Welcome back to another episode of Rain on Your Parade with J.O. Covan. I'm J.O. Covan here, as always, with producer Mike. Hello, Mike. Hi, everybody. Hi, J.O. How are you? You're really going to stick to that addressing the common folk before before me, huh? Well, here's the thing. I know it bothers you, mm-hmm. um, and that makes me happy. Okay. Well, you know, you ever heard the phrase sleeping giant? Um, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to wake it up. <laughs> Okay. Why would I think Japan and Hitler learned that on Pearl Harbor? Okay. Oh, that's right. I'm just like Hitler. Well, I was going to say the Japanese. (laughs) You took it to Hitler. Um, Well, I'm excited to be here. And as everybody is seeing, you know, promises made, promises kept. New shirt. Same as the old shirt, but yes, it's it is not. A new shirt. This is now. I, you got to <laughs> meet the new shirt. <laughs> Same as the old shirt. <laughs> you have to allow that. I like a flannel. I like a pattern. You like green, and you like blue. I'm not a big and green guy. It. This is a. There, there, there's this is so the most many green. JL. There have been so many green flannel plaid shirts. No, it's blue. crazy. Blue and blue and green. No, no, no. No, no, it's almost okay. It's, there's one blue that has some green. One everything day, else is blue. One day for the pa- for the Patreon for the audience that that really loves you that would like all appreciate right. Listen this. up, nine people. <laughs> well, I should. I'm gonna start screenshotting what, what I see on oh, like, I when gonna, I, I when I go to make a montage at the end of the year where you spell shirts. out JL with the pictures of the 50 odd shirts. That's a bit of a lift, but maybe we can make it happen. Maybe maybe I can well, get I'm giving you notice designer. now so that I can get it by 2026. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um anyway, the this is this is a special shirt. Mm-hmm. This is a special shirt because when I did my Black Friday uh shopping last year, uh Land's End was I don't know what was going on there, but their sale was like 70% off the entire store. Yeah. So I bought a bunch of shirts. It was like $600 worth of shirts for like 220 or something. And this was the one I liked the pattern, but as I see it has very big cuffs and a big collar and that's the, you know, that's the wink wink to the country music crowd that right. this is a Land's End Blake Shelton line yeah. shirt, which I didn't realize. Yeah. Um so Gwen Stefani, uh if I see you, it doesn't count as cheating. Uh <laughs> But I thought we just what, don't talk about politics. What? Huh? <laughs> no. Oh yeah, yeah. No. Uh, Thanks, Shelton. Well, I'm we, very, just, we just avoid it. I'm still very it. proud of the fact that I got such a laugh when I said, "How do you spell banana again, honey? <laughs> Is that Indian fella coming over? I'd like to fuck you in front of him during your concert. You know, I don't really particularly like the song "Don't Speak" either, babe. <laughs> um, could you write a new song with no doubt? My big country boyfriend, husband's dick in my mouth. Let's see how your bass player <laughs> likes playing that one. 50 nights a year. <laughs> Was he ever people's sexiest man alive? Didn't think so. Yeah, because they were a thing, right? Him and the, her and the well, bass that's player. The famous story is like the bass player and her dated for years. And then they blew up. And mm-hmm. it was like one of their hit songs was Don't Speak, which is about their breakup. Oh, I didn't know that that. I mean, I believe it. I didn't know that story, though. Yeah. Awesome. Isn't that like, imagine, I'm ruining I mean, the show right now, but I'm sorry. no, no, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of, uh, you're already the bass player. You're right. already like probably the fourth ranked member of the band. Yeah. And it's just every night it's cuck. It's let's, let's play our favorite song. Our number one hit <laughs> bass player cuck. <laughs> Don't speak. I'm fucking someone else. <laughs> you little piece of shit. 
don't fuck me because it hurts your feelings. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm wearing my Blake Shelton shirt because I thought, what a better, there's no better way I could honor the late, the late, uh, moderately great Toby Keith by wearing, um, just somebody who's adjacent to him. Yeah. His clothing. Toby, it's, it's Keith Toby. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and Toby Keith, I found it interesting online. Um, I first came not to knowledge of Toby Keith. My uncle was one of those guys. He, his favorite kind of music was like seventies rock, sixties and seventies rock. Yeah. But he, as he got older and, and, and crustier as a white man, he started to maybe turn the dial a little bit to the country station. That's what they more do and more. Yeah. Because he felt like it was, there was more musicianship. This yeah. is, I'm talking pre Shania Twain country, like pre Garth, but like, like George Strait. as well, he liked Brooks and Dunn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that kind of stuff where it was like kind of getting a little poppy, but the, the roots were still there. It was not, certainly not today's Sam Hunt yeah. pop country yeah, garbage. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he was just listening to his country station and this song by Toby Keith came on, like an early hit of his, I think it was called I'm Just Talking About Tonight, which was like, you know, this kind of rascal uh, I'm being nice about the fact that I just want to fuck you, honey. Yeah, yeah. That kind of vibe. Rascal's a great way to say it. Yeah. He was he was very rascally. Yeah, so I mean you some know? women call it rapist. <laughs> no, I don't know. But, I don't know, but, but that's I call it rascally, ne'er do well, sca- scam, a, a bit ca- tough to speculate cad, on. A cad. <laughs> that's it. I'm fu- No, I'm 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 just kidding and I don't want to obviously suggest that yeah, in the that spirit Toby, of joking, Toby, Toby Keith, was, Keith was, was a rapist without any allegations. <laughs> right. Well, that you know what? That's how you know he was good. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, uh, but, but it was that kind of a song. And I found it kind of uh, delightfully humorous. Then 9-11 happened and he made the pivot yeah. to like patriotic. But even his patriotic They're fun. Like, I gotta boot be in your ass is a funny we'll phrase. we put a boot in your ass. <laughs> it's, it's the, the American, American way. way. Yeah, it's cool. And I think there are some people, understandably, who still think of the Iraq War as this, like, you know, obviously historic historic catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. Which it is. Yeah. But I still think Toby Keith, in the the light of Trump and the the music stars who support him Mm -hmm. and how off the charts they are, it almost makes you go, all right, so he's a big country party guy who loves America in a simple way. It's... We've seen so much worse since the rise of Toby Keith. He was also doing that at a time where I feel like the overwhelming majority of the country, when that song and and that album was was coming out, was kind of like for it. Like after nine eleven, there was a there was a big surge of like seeing American flags all over the place, and you know, obviously it led us into Iraq, which was a fucking big mistake. But there's a there's a good. I don't know, six to eight months where people are probably like even as like liberals or whatever are probably still like, yeah, all right, America, rock and roll, American pie, army, flag. You know, I think that's long gone, but he wasn't really that out of place at the time when he did it, you know? Right. And uh, and he also it was his record label that gave. A one Miss Taylor Swift, her first record deal big machine yeah oh i didn't know he was a big machine guy yeah well, yeah big machine was was the there you uh, go. yeah right look at that yeah how do you feel now liberals <laughs> how do you feel now that mr big bad patriotism bro red cup guy helped your goddess yeah get her start i do toby really is uh he 
is the type of Republican that I miss and that I liked. Yeah. He was a guy that like I could, I could tell we were not I mean, just aligned. be clear, I don't, but I'm just kind of agreeing with the general sentiment. But like you said, he was a big, fun redneck. Yeah. And, and it's like the, the type of guy where like if you just like spent a weekend in Texas or wherever he's from and was just kind of hanging out, like those are the type of people you'd run into. And, you know, I don't know if they're doing a ton of harm. They're just kind of fucking big, dumb, fun rednecks. What's the, nothing wrong with the red solo cup? You know, yeah, I think it's just fun. You know, I just thought it was odd because I don't have those kind of feelings, obviously negative feelings towards Toby Keith. And I'm sure you can dig up something where he said something like told the Dixie chicks to fuck off or something. I'm sure. But like in the grand scheme of things, it's you got to really hold a grudge to me to be like mad or glad that Toby Keith is is dead. I felt bad just as a big I think of him as like a big guy and. You know, when you see those 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 cancer photos and you see yeah. the person drained, I've already decided that when I get some sort of terminal disease, <laughs> I'm going to take a picture like shortly God. before my death and say, Ozempic works great. <laughs> I want to go out on one more joke for the industry to ignore. <laughs> those are my terms. Everybody, this is a living will. This is not a <laughs> podcast this week. Um, but yeah, so RIP Toby Keith. Oh, boy. Well, you know what? I'm not going to break that quickly because you inserted some of your own opinions here. I'm only on. I only. I'm, I'm reclaiming my time. I'm reclaiming my time. Uh, I got shows in different area codes, Mike. I know how you love puns. Yeah. Um, Vegas, March 23rd. Everybody, a live making podcast, great again, and a live stand-up show. I mean, Foreigner and Bruce Springsteen are there the night before. I know which one I'm going to see because. $500 and nine hours is not as enticing to me as like a hundred bucks and feels like the first time. I hate foreigners so much. <laughs> Mike, they, you just want to know what love is. Let's break it down. They are the, they're one of the worst bands. <laughs> they're so awful. Oh, uh, feels like the first time lo- uh, I want to know what love is. I'm always good with those. Jukebox Hero too, right? Isn't that them? I don't know that song. That song, they just suck. <laughs> They're like one of those bands that like made it into the classic rock rotation on Q1043 in New York, like the classic rock station. And I was always just like, fuck, I can't believe I had to sit through this to hear like a Sorry. Led Zeppelin song. Sorry, let's rewind the podcast five more minutes. Nothing wrong with Red Solo Cup. I like. I think, Red, I think Red Solo Cup is more fun because Foreigner takes themselves seriously. <laughs> And Toby Keith, I don't think ever did, <laughs> you know. Uh, right, How you like me now? Right, because when he told the Dixie chicks to fuck off, he was just playing around. Just, you know, it's the industry. He's if he did out. that, if he did that, I Alleged. know plenty of them did. It probably he probably did. Let's be honest, he probably got knowing on that. the era. Yeah, yeah, probably. Okay, well, I'm just saying, Bruce. I've been told I should see in concert. But they're very long and very expensive. But I will be in town when he's at the the like hockey arena. And uh, or is he at the hockey arena or the football state? Well, he's at some place. He's at some place big. Some place big, right? And uh, but Foreigner is playing at the Venetian that night, and you know, there's a casino and a couple of songs I really like. <laughs> and I have no guarantee that Bruce isn't going to give me the basic bitch set that I need to be happy. Well, yeah, he probably won't. But he will. Pl- you'll hear all of his songs and probably you know an Elvis song and a and a. Beatles. He plays all these covers. He's wild, that man. 
<laughs> I love him. But. Will he do a podcast with Obama after? <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing out a friend, doing a little break. Everybody's going to get some water. Barack Obama, we're going to talk about some things affecting working man. I had a great bit that I finally worked out, uh, started to work out in Princeton this past weekend about how if only Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen would start to make some of their lyrics more centered on working people of color, especially Latino people, (laughs) maybe we'd have more empathy for the for the migrants and the working people who aren't white and crusty. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it was just I just thought Tommy and Gina, one of my favorite lines in the bit was like, I was like, Tommy and Gina, let's be honest. 80s, like underemployed Jersey trash. Italians, yeah. Definitely racist. (laughs) Like, would we feel as close if he was like, you know, well, they're saying racial slurs. (laughs) They're really shitty people. (laughs) Why did you move into their neighborhood? (laughs) Go back to where you came from. Right? Like, that's Tommy and Gina. Like, let's be honest. I mean, they could be like that today, let alone your 1985. That's really funny. That's and really I was like, and, and then I said, Bruce, enough with Mary already. Yeah. First of all, your wife's name is Patty. Yeah. She's fucking right behind you for 40 years during your nine hour concerts. Could you switch out the names if you're getting, you know, she's probably going like, who the fuck is Mary? But Bruce, who is Mary? I'm Patty. There's a song about Mary. <laughs> and I'm like, just make, at least make write a new song about Maria. Yeah. yeah. Hey, there's a song about Americans coming to this country trying to make a better way for themselves. In fairness, Springsteen has a lot more, especially his early stuff, has a lot more lyrics about like, he has a whole song about like uh, Spanish Harlem and he does cover that stuff. They're just not as, Incident of 57th Street is a big... Oh, it's well, like a story about living in Jungle Land, also same sort of thing. Well, that sounds racist. <laughs> no, well, no, yeah. his song about people of color, Jungle Land. No, I, well, I don't know <laughs> if it's necessarily about people of color, but it's like city life. Okay, city d- life. Danger, like dangerous. I don't know. You know, I will defend Bruce to the death. Should I go see him in Vegas? Yes. Even if it's expensive? Yeah. He's the best concert I've ever been to. Well, you didn't see Madonna. That's true. And you didn't see you 2 at the Sphere. But I have seen Prince, and I have seen uh, Coldplay. <laughs> God, I, I love that moment when Coldplay just, when they just... It was a great summer for you. It was a great summer for me, but it was, it was they made a real heel turn, because I, oh, I yeah. haven't bought a Coldplay album, and not in protest or no, anything. They just suck now. But fucking yeah. a rush of blood to the head. Oh, man. it's Sure, it's depressing, but what an album. They were my favorite band for a while, which is crazy to and say. And then now. Rick Rubin just stepped in and said, "No, it wasn't Rick Rubin. He it didn't was do Viva La Vida." Oh, he might have done that, but I, no, no, no. Viva La Vida, I love. It's a good album. But that's the. But that is Brian the Eno is the turn. Brian oh, Eno really? comes in and does that next album. Uh, this could be Para Para. That is such. I, I have they, that, and that, it, but it is. They, I don't mind that, that song, but it's such. That is such a. We've we're embracing the complete sellout. Yeah, like v- that Viva song La Vida have Kevin is like, Hart doing ads right. on it. <laughs> Viva La Vida is like we we've peaked. Like we this is our this is like 
our music is the best it's going to be and it's accepted by like it's on Apple commercials or right. whatever and then it's just from there JL it's- is loving life <laughs> <laughs> we're speaking to one very important <laughs> Comedian? <laughs> oh no, he's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. He's he's, he's working. At, that's why he's pulling so much tail. It's not the jokes. Yeah. It's the abs and the six figure salary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was. I mean, their music was just so like. I wanna kill myself yeah. now. Yeah. And then they're like, hey, let's party. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Quite a turn. Oh well, I'm sure they hate themselves for it. I'm sure Chris Martin sleeps fine. Yeah. Night. Well, no, he doesn't because he's too busy fucking women who love para, para, <laughs> paradise. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, so see me in Vegas. Uh, join my Patreon. Obviously, get my new special. Just go to my website. This is the la- is the, the the plug before we get to the main topic. Uh, but go to jlcomedy.com. Peruse at your leisure while you're listening to this. Find out ways you can support me and my drug habits. And uh, we'll be right back. After this message. And we're back. How was that break, Mike? A lot of fun. Yeah. Um, we're finally, we're, we're starting to finally gel off camera. Yeah. Yeah. It took a while. It's good. Do you ever see that Looney Tunes cartoon with the bullfrog who dances and sings, but only when nobody's watching? Hello, my baby. That's Hello, my it. darling. Yeah. One of my favorites. Uh, that's, that's, our, that's this show. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but we decided that um, despite my desire to see Foreigner uh, for a couple of the songs that I enjoy, uh, I'm going to try and get a ticket to Bruce. Yeah, I, during the break, I took a look at these uh, this list of Foreigner songs here, and I said, do you really want to go see a band play Double Vision and Man. Urgent? Okay, let me <laughs> be honest. Or do you want to see one of the greatest rock and roll performers to ever exist. Let me be honest. It's the more songs you list from Foreigner, the more I'm like, I hate that song. Yeah. But the problem. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but the problem is like an album, like like buying an album of, of a group because before we had uh, iTunes and Napster, you know, if you liked a group, even a couple of songs, you got the album. Even if the album yeah. overall wasn't great, you, you, you wanted those songs. And that's how I feel about I want to know what love is and feels like the first time. Like, yeah. They're, they actually have more songs that you've mentioned that I'm like, eh, I don't like that. But one. then you got to go see Jukebox Hero, Waiting for a Girl Like You. I've been uh, waiting. Awful. <laughs> I don't mind that one. <laughs> they're just they're just like an annoying band. They're just like, ugh. Like, I get it. I understand wanting to see like one or two of these songs. But for the, for the other stuff, that was like what I saw. The worst concert I ever been to, hands down, was the Steve Miller Band. I I, I did hilarious. the same thing that you did where I was just like Jet Airliner. Jet Airliner, yeah. <laughs> like maybe it'd be cool to see Fly Like an Eagle. No, they are old, they sucked and you just kind of when you have to sit through a whole set of theirs, you just like you're reminded about how much like just not good stuff there is. I liked know? the Joker when I was younger. Yeah, but, I so did I. But I, I don't like, like it as much now. It stinks. But Jet Airliner is good and if I can go into Adam Carolla mode right yeah. now, one of the things you would often say, Steve Miller is fucking horrible. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. And then people say to me, hey, 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 what about Jet Airliner? I go, it is a good song. Guess what? He didn't fucking write it. He didn't? No. Oh, I didn't know that. 
I believe that. I think, by the way, that might be the best. As somebody who got on Adam Carolla doing an Adam Carolla impression, mm-hmm. I think that might have been the best one I've ever done, Brother Mike. <laughs> Brother Mike, I think we're getting to new levels. We're hitting new levels, very high levels. Maybe. And uh, the Cornell West Best Picture Review Series is on my Patreon in case people who. I, this is where I first did the Cornell West. Yes. Also known as Dartmouth East. Yeah. Um, now I have a whole web series that I'm uploading onto uh, my Patreon. We'll look at that another reason. But anyway, Bruce Springsteen. Think I'm going to go. Even if I have to be up in the rafters, I don't like to usually go and sit with the poor people um, for concerts. What, though. At a Bruce concert, the rafters are rocking. Oh, they are? Oh, yeah. All right. We'll see. Um, but I'm going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm holding you to this being a good experience. It's going to be, I mean, I, I, there's, I, there's nothing I can be more confident about. I'll do a honest. TikTok like, me before a Bruce Springsteen concert. <laughs> we'll see if this is good, guys. Me after a Bruce Springsteen concert. Hey, hey, hi, hey. <laughs> Big man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say this, and we were having some laughs. Uh, he, he sold his catalog, as people know, for like $300 million. And, that, and, and as you know, artistic integrity is super important to me, and I'm not even kidding. Yeah. So obviously... When a hero, an artist of his stature and a, a hero to working class people ever sells his art for, I'm guessing, money he really needed, $300 million, you know, that it, it warms my heart to know that, you know, we're maybe less than a decade away from, come on up for Verizon. Data and text included. And then just Steve Van Sant goes, nah, 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 no extra charges. And you look at our competitors and they're charging extra fees, but ours is a flat fee. Cause we want you to call your family, and then you know you get that. Yeah, the bill. <laughs> Free Netflix for six months. Come on up for the rising. Come on and it's up, just get your free Wi-Fi. <laughs> and and it's just like, oh, there it is, Bruce. Did you not see? Did you not? Feel, did you not see this all the way through yeah. to its eventual to the private equity bros <laughs> selling your music to everyone? <laughs> oh God! And I just want to give credit. It was uh, I believe it was a friend of mine from college, Scott. Might have been also Mike, but Scott is who was in my head when that song came out. When that album came out, him making I believe it was him who made reference to come on up for Verizon. So mm-hmm. that's where that jerk, but I, you know, that's, that's a clip, by the way, that is a clip and yeah, a half no shit. for the people. <laughs> um, look forward to that in 2028, right around the election. Um, okay. The Grammys. Did you watch the Grammys? No, I usually, I, I haven't in many years, to be honest. I have found, I know it's very popular to shit on kind of award shows and things, but I, as somebody who's not really into the, just is not, with 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 regular radio not waking me up anymore, with VH1 and MTV not playing videos anymore, I really just only catch what's in commercials or what like is just what and TikTok to be honest. Yeah, like the reason I took so long to like Sam Smith's Unholy and Lizzo's, um, what was her big song from last year? That one song of the year, 
I don't. Think I'm manning out tonight. I'm coming. That, but her Man. big song, that one record record of the year. They were big on TikTok, and I was like, nope, pass. Yeah, because because it, it actually has the opposite effect on me. Like, oh, this is just what every idiot's going like. I'm gonna cut. But then I heard the songs. So I was like, oh, these are great songs. Yeah, these are great pop songs. Both of right. them, and then they won. Um, but I think they do a good job because they've really emphasized turning it into more of a concert now. Mm-hmm. They the, the a lot of the awards are given off camera and before, and they really focus on making it more of a three and a half hour concert. I think Trevor Noah is actually good in terms of an ADD. He keeps very upbeat, very fast, very like in awe of everything. He has he strikes the right balance that you need in today's kind of culture. But I gotta say, I gotta give uh, flowers, even though she can buy her own. To Miley? To Miley Cyrus. Why is that? Because I think she's finally embraced who she is. Um, a drunk mom in her 50s. <laughs> like, if she were hitting on me, I would feel like, Mrs. Cyrus, like, Tommy's going to be home soon. Yeah. She has this vibe of, like, what's up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what are you doing here? Like the woman who came on to me at the Bon Jovi yes. concert when I was 20. But she's, like, 15 years younger than me. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. ma'am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're being inappropriate. Yeah. But I think she, you know, just to be, you know, since we're we're obviously an empowering pro-women podcast, I want to break down her body in very specific terms. Mm-hmm. Um, her low point for me was probably twerking with Robin Thicke in a performance of Blurred Lines. Yeah, she was having just sort of a, an identity crisis for a few years where it was just like, what are you doing? What's, bi- what's big now? Yeah. What's big now? Right. Um, but hip-hop, black guys, right. I'll, I'll fuck a black guy. I right. don't care. Like, she has this very vibe of like, I'll just, like, she she tries to do what the Kardashians have done to perfection, which is like, who's the hot group now? Oh, is it Latin people? Um, Kylie, please open up your legs for right. Bad Bunny. Thank you. <laughs> and next, who's up next? Chloe. Um, you you sit this one out for a while. Right. Um, we'll call you when we need you. Yeah, Kim. Actually, now we want to set a trend. Um, the white community has paid us to take out your butt implants and to tone up. <laughs> So we want you to do that now. Yeah. They are they are masters of kind of delivering and setting trends for sex appeal and who you should date. And whereas I felt like Miley Cyrus was trying to do that. And I'm like, you know, I'm pansexual because I think that's a thing now. I think yeah. that's me. Uh, I'm vegan. I'm actually vegan. Like they, there was always this like attention grabbing, like, let me. But she has now embraced. I'm a skinny chick with some talent mm-hmm. instead of twerking where I don't really have the, the, the where's the beef. I don't really have it for that. I can be fit. I can be like sexy fit chick. Yeah. And she looked great. She looked great. So I feel like she's, she's finally put it together after 12 years in the spotlight, you know, as a, as a, she's, is she a Nepo baby? Yeah. But is she really? What are you talking about? No, because like Billy Ray Cyrus, I'm like, I feel like if you're a Nepo baby, you know, Achy Breaky Heart was a long time ago. He had that was a humongous hit. No, no, I, but I'm and saying, and I think that that put him in that put them in a place where like he never had. You just were gonna have all the wealth you needed. Yeah, and and okay. he's locked into the country community where it's like her resources are like Dolly Parton and like people of all right, like that's actual, fair. All right, like acclaim. You know, I'm if just, I if I had access to Dolly Parton as a 12 year old trying to become like a pop musician or whatever all day but but like it's just a mentorship of just like oh that's what you'd be into at 12 years old the mentorship from dolly parton 
I would have been motorboating, man. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that's what Dolly Parton wants, the 12-year-old motorboating her tits. No, I'm just saying she wants, and I wouldn't do it without her permission. I'm just saying that's where my mind would be. I wouldn't be going <laughs> mentorship. Right. Jeez. Mentorship Mike over Well, one here. of us is a professional, and one worst, of us is an ass. Worst magic Mike reboot ever. <laughs> mentorship Mike. Anyway, we're just kidding. We're just joshing. But the point is, her music is now peaked. Mm-hmm. I think her body is now picked. I think it took a long time. And that's what happens when you're in the spotlight. You see everybody's insecurities and adjustments and trying to rebrand and be somebody else. And now, and she's a little bit arrogant now. And I think it's probably a little earned. Yeah, it's earned. It's earned. She's a star. Yeah. You know. So, but she looked, uh, I was I was impressed finally because she's annoyed me for so long. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of a seal of approval that most people can't get the JL a year ago would have made me a topic of his podcast. Right. And now here he is praising my, my, my talent and my fitness. Right. So good job, Miley Cyrus. Um, Taylor Swift, we defended you on this show. I stand by those defenses. That said, at the Grammys, you are the most annoying person on earth. <laughs> Because of the dancing and the singing. I mean, it can be the in memoriam segment, and she's like, everybody's sitting crying, and she's like, Go, yes, John Legend, yes, King. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Sit down. It's like, I find her completely fine in every space except the Grammys. Right. That's and I think I may have actually I actually did mention that on the on the on the episode with Taylor Swift. Like that's when she is very annoying mm-hmm. because it's always. And it's like, do you ever, you don't sit? You like every artist? You like every artist. Yeah. And you like every artist to the point of, oh my God, I don't care if no one else is dancing. I got to dance. Mm-hmm. It's like a day at the Dane Cook pick. I just, I just got to dance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just got to dance. Anyway, this was all lead up making no sense because I want to talk about friendship on this episode. Yeah. And it doesn't really fit. To any of what we've talked about. No, because sometimes we get in here and we're just wheeling and dealing. Yeah. And the topic of friendship is just because it started, I was on my friend, see that? See how I tied it in? My friend Chris Lamberth, his podcast, The Mundane Festival, and, and that's sort of just a free conversation. We talk about movies or whatever, but we, I started talking about why I do comedy and what, Uh-oh. like, and, and not just comedy as a... Did you say you wanted this episode to be 45 minutes? <laughs> But like, <laughs> time is a flat circle. Um, <laughs> now that I've heard the entry point into this conversation, I mean, <laughs> we could be here all day. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, but I thought like as I look at you watch you watch different entertainers and things, and you realize like I'm I'm thinking about why I because I've been funny for when I got funny is a very like there's a clear demarcation line. Mm-hmm. I was a violent little kid, <laughs> and then I went to a child psychologist, and then from two years of that, I emerged as somebody who was doing impressions and making jokes. Mm-hmm. It was like I took the violence and turned it into jokes. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes people will say, comedy, I think comedy saved my life, or my art saved my life. I think comedy saved other people's lives. <laughs> if you look at the trajectory I was on. Big, mean kid. <laughs> It was, it was for the, the greater good. The right. People service. should join my Patreon because it saves lives. <laughs> and that is like, but that's been, and as I got older, it's one of those things. And, and do you have, would you say you have a lot of friends? Not anymore. Oh, okay. I did. 
I definitely did. But I think the point you're probably about to make is that, you know, you get to a certain age, people just branch off, do their thing. Right. And all of a sudden it becomes very hard to get people to really leave their house, to be honest. Right. And I think it's one of those things where obviously people with families, people with kids, they sort of, their friends become other people's friends by necessity. Like we're like almost the way your coworkers can become your friends, your co your parents, your other parents become your, your social circle. Yep. Um, if you're lucky, you can maintain those other friendships, but like the thing with me for comedy and it was just, when we were talking, it dawned on me. I was like, I feel like not only have I lost a lot of friends, but comedy, I prioritized comedy a lot and took for granted I think I have had friends do me wrong, but I've also had friends where I sort of took for granted that like, well, we've been friends for so long. I don't have to work at this. I don't have to, we, we've been friends since first grade and we're in our twenties. Like that's now an unbreakable, that's now a friendship that is, we can pick right up five years from now, if, if need be. And it's, it's kind of not true. And but it's the way humor, I think the reason, because you seem like somebody, I've often joked where it's like, oh, I'll mention somebody in the comedy world. And more often than not, unless they're a closer friend, it's somebody that everybody likes. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, right, they get along with me. They're like the, whatever the universal donor is in blood. <laughs> but, like, I'm the very, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one that requires a specific type or whatever. <laughs> But they're the universal donor, so they right. can get along with me. It's like jails be positive. And- <laughs> yeah, you name I, I, you name some like guy. It's like oh, everybody loves him. Yeah, they're cool to me. And then it dawns on me, I'm like oh, the people who are like cool with me are the people who are cool with everybody. Right. I'm I'm the acquired taste to say the least. Right. But it's one of those things when it applies to friendship, where I go, I think for my life, for my adult, as a child, it's it's been so ingrained in me, making someone laugh. It started with my family, you know, just a kind of angry household. And like the respite was like sitcoms and making jokes and doing impressions that gave everybody a break. But as friends, it's like I had said before, being being funny, getting somebody to laugh at you, whether it's women, whether it's other guys, whether it's somebody's parents, whether it's a stranger, it feels so close to friendship, but it isn't. Hmm. But it feels so close that you kind of think, oh, if I keep entertaining, if I keep making these people laugh, they're going to want me around. Like, and that's what I learned like in, in college. That was when it really became clear in college. Like most of my teammates didn't like me when I got there. And, uh, and that was before I got fucking jacked, bro. <laughs> but because my language was just jokes. Right. I, I don't want to say it was not Chandler Bing, but. Probably closer to Chandler Bing than lot. I'd like to be. It's a bit grating. But, no, but it wasn't like, it wasn't, I could have serious discussions. I could be like, get to know people. But it was like, if the joke's sitting there, it's like, joke. I, I We're friends. I've met yeah. you. I know. I know how you operate. And, but what I would see, like, is that, but once I started making them laugh, I was welcomed in. Right. And it's almost like, just like the way on a team, it's like, oh, you rebound. Oh, you're a defensive stopper. Oh, you're a point guard. It became like, well, funny. Yeah. That's my, I'm friends with all these guys because funny is my role. Right. And you realize, you know, you go, oh, but if I do an impression of 10 different people in a room, don't confuse nine people laughing every time as 10 people not remember, you know, not remembering when you fucking made fun of them. Right. And 
as that went on, like as comedy, it just became, I feel like I don't, I, I just looking back, I was just like, I've never, I don't think I've made a lot of friends. And it's, I think part of my problem is I don't let shit slide. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean that necessarily just a bat. And I'm not like fucking like, uh, put a coaster under that drink dickhead. No, I'm more of a, like, if I, if I, I've noticed in my, in my adult life, you know, you get to know people better and you have to just sort sometimes you have to like compromise if you want friends. Yeah. But I mean, compromise like, oh, that guy said some homophobic stuff. Well, people aren't perfect. No, I know. But, but, but the problem is when you sweat the small stuff. (laughs) Yeah. You st- and it's not even like I turn my back or insult people to their face, but you just start to go, I don't know. I don't know about that guy. I don't know about that lady. I don't know about this. Right. And um, I, I bring that up because I remember my uncle who was, you know, we sort of follow a very familiar pattern in my family. My uncle, you know, was a big, I think I may have referenced this last week slightly, but he drank, he was like a, you know, th- two or three times a week at the bar. Um, and he stopped going because as I found out from my mom, you know, just too much, too much racist Irish guy talk. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I never heard him say anything off color, but then he just began like drinking at home. Not like in excess. It was just like now sitting, watching TV, having your whiskey is your drink or your drinks. And that's a sad thing. Mm -hmm. And you start to go like, but he made a choice that had to have been difficult because it was like, well, I don't like, you know, I got two half black nephews and I don't need to be around this kind of talk anymore. Um, but then you're like, you had to give up. Now, you, he lived in existence that was almost friendless towards the end. Yeah. And this, this makes no sense given what we were talking about. <laughs> it's a bit of a swing. It is. <laughs> but it's just one of those things like as I'm, as I get older. And maybe Bruce will address this when I see him in concert. Maybe he'll touch my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I get it, I don't know how long I'm going to live. That's not a, like nobody does. Yeah. But I'm a big guy. I'm full of rage. <laughs> I don't eat great. <laughs> and so I'm like, I don't know. What if I'm 48? Yeah. 52, 46, 70. Who knows? And it's just, but you, you, you know, and since the pandemic and this isn't one of those like men are without friends and we need to address this as we know, I don't give a shit about the men in crisis thing. (laughs) Maybe men deserve to be in crisis. They've put everyone else in crisis for centuries, (laughs) but it's more of just a thought. It's like, how do you make, like, I've made efforts to make friends with people because I'll, and it's the same thing. Sometimes I'll be like, I made them laugh at work or at this. Well, we, I should try to, I should try to like cultivate that, not but in no. like a needy way, but just like, Hey, you want to get, you want to get a drink? So, you know, you want, you want to check out this. And it's often like that. Ah, I can't right now. And it might just be people blowing me off the way I blow off other people where it's like, ah, some other time don't feel like it. I mean, but it's like, we get to these places where I think throughout my life, comedy has replaced friendship building skills because it feels so similar. To building a friendship. But you mean the actual, when you say comedy, you mean the skill of comedy. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Mechanism. No, being a comedian, uh, I've met many people who I'm like, no, I'll pass on being your friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the skill of being funny. It's, yeah. it's such a, 
it's such a powerful tool, but it can deceive you yes. into thinking, oh, wow, like these people like me. It's like, no, nah, they like your jokes. Right. And maybe they like you. And, you know, it's just as I get older, you're sort of like it's like this weird catch 22, which is like now maybe I'm more aware of how to build friendships and the opportunities to do so are fewer and fewer. No, I think you're right, though, about what you said about the convenience of kind of having a family and, and all that stuff. I mean, <clears throat> I think we're one of the first generations that's moving into this territory where we're young professionals. We're not really that young anymore. You like, are. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that young, though, either. You like, are. You're in a good, you're in a very good spot. But to... I don't have kids. I don't have a uh, even a girlfriend or a wife or anything like that. At a certain point, by by this point in my parents' life, a lot of the people that were around them were like the friends of my, like the parents of my friends when right. I was a kid, you know. Um, and that doesn't exist for me. So now, when all these other people start to retreat into their own worlds and they're less and less available. And when they are available, they're not doing the things like I don't, I worry all the time about whether or not I, there's even an opportunity for me to meet a woman in like real life. Cause where would I really, you know, I don't have coworkers. I, I, I just work out of this studio, you know, and that's not like a place that I'd like to find a partner anyway, but, uh, your friends, what do you if, think the workspace kitchen areas for <laughs> for smelling like vomit <laughs> that's what i think this place is such a shithole but uh i think that when you're when you're my age and you're single there it would be nice to be able to go out with other single people and like mingle with other people that are like also single yeah um and i think that fucking the people don't want to do that anymore People, people, once they get coupled off, that's it. You'll see them every now and then. You'll talk to them. You might have a, key, you know what I mean? But I actually tell Laura, who has way more friends than me. And the thing I, when I just sort of doing a self check, I think we may have talked about this with crime, talking about like my ability to kind of examine my life and like prejudices and things. I think when I look at the people who have been my longest friends, I think the closest friends I have value my loyalty and integrity above all. And then the looser friends who I would definitely call friends, but who are maybe not like inner circle. It's some of that and mainly my entertainment value. And then other people, it's just entertainment value. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, it's, it's like I told Laura, like when we moved out to Jersey, you gotta, you, you have way more friends than me mm -hmm. and good friends. Like you're, you thrive in a, you know, you're not, she's like a quiet person, but she's like most, her, she's most loose around her friends and most fun. And I, I would be like, you have to go into the city mm -hmm. because not to quote Bain here, but I did right before the pandemic and one of the most prescient things I've ever said, I actually said on the previous iteration of this podcast, this may sound weird, but I feel like I might thrive during the pandemic. No, that's not uncommon. A lot of people said that. And I said, yeah. much like Bane, you adopted the darkness. I was born in it. <laughs> and then it like happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Like, and she's not. Like, she's like yeah. chill. Social. Wants but to she see likes, yeah. she's, oh, you know, 
and she doesn't as much. And I'm always nervous that I'm like, I don't, I need to figure out my own life in terms of like my friends and peer groups and how I become more social again. But, you know, being single was the, like, I'm my most social when single mm-hmm. by yes. leaps and bounds. That's not just you though, JL. That's, no, no, of that's course. men. Men are most social when they are single. That's why they go out. But I'm not even a, I'm with, I'm with Laura. I'm with Laura. I'm with yeah. Laura. I'm like, I am, but it's not out of like, it's because I am just now in this existence where like, I have to do my work from home. And much like you said, I have to work from home. And then I, my comedy is, unless I'm on the road, is all like video, home-based writing. Solid, it's all solitary. Whereas she works in sales and she's got lots of friends. And it's like, I don't want her to like change too much. And it's very easy. Like she's more of like the slippage where it's like you can just kind of slip into it if you're not conscious about it. Whereas me, I'm like, how do I get the, how do I become a little bit different as a person? Um, but it's, uh, this is food for thought. I guess we didn't do like a full, it was, it was too weird the way we started. Not weird. It was fun the way we started the show, but not in a, uh, you know, I should have started with something much more morose (laughs) that would have eased us into this. Yeah. Maybe we could have done like a nine 11 thing. Well, the rising, <laughs> the rise, come on point, right? up for Verizon. <laughs> um, but I think uh, I don't know. It's it's a and then there's this thought of like, well, I'm 44. Am I am I trying to teach an old dog new tricks? And for what? Like the only, it was like being single. It was like the skills I had developed as an individual person were most valuable when single. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like. And, and that's they, when you need those skills the most, like from a physiological. That's what I'm saying. I feel like but once I, once they're once you've hunted, and you've I mean you've hunt you have like I'm I'm really I'm sounding like Jordan Peterson right now, but like <laughs> once you hunt, <laughs> a man has to get out there and hunt. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like once you're once you're coupled off, it's like I really do think men start to lose that whatever darwinian part of them that is social and i really do no I think men are just kind of like fuck it i'd rather stay home and watch the game or watch uh, a movie or i think it's normal i think it sucks when you're not coupled off as i you know that's my personal experience but i just think that's what happens dude i think it's just like it's fighting against the the current uh, the of in the stream of reality you know yeah it's uh it's rough um but i think yeah, it's weird. It's like it, Rocky yelled at Adrian. It's what I do, Adrian. I'm a fighter. I fight. Yeah. And that's what I feel like. It's like, Laura, I identify as a single man at a bar. <laughs> <Right. laughs> that's how I, that's, my pronouns are scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> my pronouns are fuck you. <laughs> well, don't, t- don't give them too much. Of the- I did that on stage, though. I did that on stage. I said, here's my impression. That's so great. Of an alpha male comedian who failed English. Yeah. My pronouns are fuck you. (laughs) Hell yeah. All right. Well, maybe that's why I don't have friends. Um, But anyway, guys. I'm your friend. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm the most relatable character in movie history to me. And I'll let uh, this is a good note to end on a on a friendship segment. Uh, Doc Holliday. Yeah. In Tombstone. It's great line. The guy, he goes, he's my friend. 
and they go, well, I got lots of friends. I got a lot of friends. I don't. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I know that's probably going to become one of those cliche lines that alpha bros start throwing out. Like, you got to have like two loyal bros, man. That's yeah, what yeah. you got to have. But it's like transitioning from, that's right, I'm transitioning, folks. Transitioning from comedian and barfly and like where you can exist in a space that doesn't require you to have a lot of close friends but you still feel like you have a lot of friends. Yeah. That's, I think, the dilemma. Then you've honed those skills so much, but you're not developing the deeper friendships and those skills and those relationships. And then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, and it's not, and this isn't me, like this isn't some cry for help. I'm, I'm not content, but it really doesn't have anything to do with my number of friends. I do have my friends. It's more like just examining and thinking about like, man, but it's, it's sort of to get to middle age and be like, wow, I kind of was like deceiving myself a little bit. Like I, my comparison is the chimpanzee and the human being super funny is like having 97% of the DNA of having friends, mm -hmm. but it's that 3% that separates human from chimp and JL from other people. <laughs> anyway, comedy talk when we get back. <laughs> And now, from the Slickback Studios newsroom in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, here is Scott Pelley with a Rain on Your Parade special reports. This is Scott Pelley on assignment from 60 Minutes with another installment of Punchdown of the Week. This week, JL posted on Facebook, Dave Chappelle won his fifth Grammy for Best Comedy Album. He beat four other comedians and a dead horse to win. And then one of the comments to that was, A dead trans horse. JL? Scott, wow. Thank you, Scott Pelly. Yeah, love, we love when Scott stops by. Well, he's, I mean, like we always say, it's the, the gravitas, yeah. the sort of the cosign for the mm -hmm. show, you know, 60 minutes, like, like it's a big deal. TV, TV, TV icon at right. this point. Um, and obviously that's a good, I think that's a classic. We'd call this a classic punch down because implied the dead horse, right? The dead horse. It's not literally a dead horse. The dead horse I was speaking of was trans jokes, right? That's every, most people got, it was a very popular post. Yeah. By emphasizing dead trans horse, you're now you're, you're removing the subtlety. You're removing the imagination from the joke, which seems to be what people want these days. They mm -hmm. want fourth year, a year away from doing your first feature set level comedy. That seems to be what the world wants these days. Um, so, uh, the review of this, the review for this week is a good one. I actually paid money for this special because I felt like I put that energy out into the world. Maybe people will come back and buy and rent my special. The answer is no. If you're <laughs> wondering if that energy gets returned, it's a resounding no. Mm -hmm. But I decided to uh, rent comedian Lori Kilmartin's special. Uh, I believe it's called Cis Woke Grief Slut. Okay. <laughs> and I remember her telling me the title on or sharing the title like, six months ago on, on, and I was like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to check just on title alone. I'm, I want to check that out. Yeah. It's a great special. Yeah. And it's a great special in the sense of 
it's so easy if you work and produce material from seasoned quality comedians. It's, it's maybe not, you know, she's a middle-aged woman, single mom. I think she's older than me, I believe, like by, I, I, but I don't want to speculate what her age is, but she wrote for Conan for many years, for a lot of years. That's what you get. And I don't mean to act like her special is run-of-the-mill good. It was really funny and really original in a lot of spots. But I'm but but she's 58. Oh, 58. Jeez, there you go. Um, but it's one of those specials where you're just like, it stands out partly because why didn't this make the cut? And I th- obviously I think the same of my own work. But why didn't this make the cut when I can see so many things on Amazon and Netflix where I'm like, the algorithm cannot win. Yeah. Like, it's right there. There's much better comedy right there. Being produced by some of the same companies that flood Netflix and Amazon. And it is such a, this is such a, you know, and I'm, I, it's a little self-serving because, of course, when I'm watching something from the same company, the same distribution company that I'm paying for, just like fans of mine have to rent or buy mine right now, I go, these are such such better products like than than so much of what you see and it's 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 so bad for the art and because like i said i didn't find her special on some underground site where it's no it's comedy dynamics big comedy platform you know it's available on all the the purchase platforms and you just go who's making the decisions but the special there are a couple of bits. There's one where she and Taylor Loft. I don't want to ruin the joke, but if you watch it, I do recommend if you t- if you trust my opinion on comedy. And, and I was just saying last week, boy, I'd like to see something good. I know I always have two thirds of the time I come on and go, uh, this was not it. <laughs> <laughs> or what the fuck is this person even doing with a microphone? Yeah. But like I do compliment several. And this is an example of, yeah, this is. This is top tier shit. Mm-hmm. And there were, there were some bits that were really, not only that I laughed, but I was like, damn it, that's good. That's a real good one. And it's up to you. Fans of JL, I would love to lead the charge because if you're a fan of mine, you've, you've, you've got to know how I feel about this stuff. You know, you, I get it. You pay for Netflix. You pay for Amazon Prime. But like the only way to incentivize good stand-up comedy and give good stand-up comedy it's it's due and it's opportunities um is to is to support it so i would i rent wherever you rent i rented it on youtube mm-hmm. um where you can rent half blackface as well mm-hmm. but it was 3.99 or whatever for and it was worth it it was worth it because there's so much garbage as you know from the show there's so much garbage out there that's being platformed and making people millionaires and this is so much better than that so cis woke grief slut Great title, great special. Go get it. Um, so I've already done my plugs. I've already had probably one of the weirder episodes. Next next week's episode is going to be very kind of thematically like well-structured. But this is what happens when you have fun, but then your main topic is something that's not that fun. Yeah. And you commit. Yeah. Similar to the way I've committed to comedy. I don't have fun doing it. It's ruining my life, but God damn it, I'm committed to it. Right. And that's what happened with this episode. So hopefully you laughed, you thought, and you cared. And I will see you next Thursday.